Welcome to the Metrology Today podcast. My name is Ryan Egbert and I'm your host today. Today on the show, I have Dan Sunberg, who is a senior metrology engineer with Abbott. Dan began his career in the Navy where he learned metrology at Lowry Air Force Base. He spent 20 years in the Naval Metrology programs with career highlights as a metrology instructor for the Navy, where he was recognized as the instructor of the quarter six times and instructor of the year for the entire PML wing, resulting in the award of the Naval Achievement Medal for an outstanding tour as an instructor. After the Navy, Dan worked in the civilian metrology community, starting at Precision Metrology, where he got his feet wet with commercial field service metrology. And then next, he went on to be a technical and quality manager for Florida and Acme Metrology, where he expanded their accreditation by an impressive 300%. And then now, Dan is employed as a senior metrology engineer with Abbott, where he is enjoying a challenging and different environment to continue and learn and share with others the knowledge and experience in metrology. And he is also an active member in the metrology community, working with the NCSLI Educators Corner and Metrology Ambassador Groups. And I'm very excited to have him on the show today. So let's get on with the show with Dan Sunberg. Thanks for listening. This podcast was brought to you in part by CalLab Solutions, the creators of metrology.net. Do you want your software's uncertainties to match your accreditation uncertainties? If so, you should check out metrology.net. That's just one of the many ways we are building better software. To find out more, visit us online at metrology.net. All right, Dan, welcome to the podcast. I, it's a pleasure to have you on here right after, right after the holiday. Thank you, Ryan. I uh, very much appreciate the invitation. Now, for those that don't know you, I think it always makes sense here in the beginning to talk about who you are and uh, where you're at currently, but also your background. I would love to hear more about where you came from and how you got into this awesome field. Yeah. Uh, you know, a lot of people, you know, I'm not out there as much as a lot of people. And that, you know, as you're, as I'm going through this, you'll understand why. And as I'll discuss it, um, through my career, you know, I haven't been in the companies that put me up as a front runner. Uh, I basically started my metrology career like, you know, so many others say. Um, it wasn't my choice in the field. The Navy chose it for me. Sure. Uh, after my A school, they, you know, I put in that I want to go to a carrier and a uh, school that would send me to a carrier while well, they sent me to Lower Air Force Base Calibration School and sent me to a short man, which was much better than the path I was trying to choose. Sure. Um, so, I mean, basically, you know, I went through Lower and everything, just loved it. My first command and all that stuff, uh, more into the repair side and everything else. Uh, very good chief that I had just took me under his wing. And then I went to the, my first ship and then, you know, to a second ship. But the first ship, you know, I was just very shortly basically a subject matter expert in the low end of electronics um I now, now which ships which ships were you on because like, like myself i have my shell back i've deployed i was on the iron nickel uss okay. Peleliu. what uh what ships were you on the first ship i was on was the uss uh vulcan okay. uh decommissioner ar5 repair ship again for nice. a calibration technician that's your route 
uh, or, excuse me, I went to the second ship. That was the oldest one. Uh, my first ship was uh, USS Piedmont, AD 17. That I decommissioned, which was an old ship, went to the, the Vulcan shortly thereafter. Gotcha. Uh, okay, cool. Kind of. Uh, very old ships. The Vulcan actually had one decks. So well, I mean, even for my time frame, the, the Pelu was commissioned in 71, and, I, and I'm pretty sure it's decommissioned now. So I, I feel you. Yeah, Even though well, mine weren't as old as yours. No, this was like in the, I think, 39 and 43 area. <laughs> I, um, so I did, you know, I did my time on board there. Loved mm. everything I did. I was a subject matter expert on everything. Um, we've, you know, had the, the military Navy IGs. Uh, I knew the guy that was doing them because I worked very heavily with him anyhow. Um and so after that, basically, my next uh, command was Lowry Air Force Base to teach. So, I mean, that's just in my blood to teach. I, I love, I love teaching. Um, had a great time teaching, did very well. I was instructor of the quarter like six or seven times. I should have had instructor of the year, but it was an Air Force base. It was an Air Force command. It was the Air Force instructor of the year. I wore the wrong blue. Oof. <laughs> but yeah, my my cap my my Air Force captain that was over in charge of us. He even said that. He was pissed, and I'm like, yeah, whatever. Uh, yeah, I feel you. But I had my chance to introduce a lot of things into the Navy. Uh, I helped implement the 8902, which is for RF frequency. Worked mm -hmm. with. Um, Pomona, quite heavily, NAVC Pomona. Um, I helped develop an on-site training course that the Navy really didn't take on very well, uh, but the Marines did for a little while. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it was quite interesting. I mean, as I was there, I was the, you know, the Naval Master Training Specialist, uh, the Microwave Course Supervisor. Sure. And then through, through the rest of my career, um, I worked, you know, being in the Navy, your electronics first, and then your, your, your subcategories. Sure. Uh, I was able to manage and work at type twos, threes, and four labs. So in the Navy that, you know, primary standards lab, standards labs, mm -hmm. and, and then just a field service lab. So I, you know, I did my 20 years. Matter of fact, I, I went around then, um, my last couple commands, I did very little with calibration except for coordinated it. Um, I worked on a submarine base in Kings Bay. Uh, I was in charge of the last antenna shop and it was quite interesting. Never want to go back. Um, bubbleheads are a whole different world for those. Know what a bubblehead is, that's a submarine sailor. Um, <laughs> and then I re-enlisted and took a frigate off the East Coast because I wanted oh. that for my, my retirement command. I knew I was getting ready to get out. Sure. And a frigate, for those that don't know what a frigate is, it's a small ship, very, very small combatant. It's one that's made to always be at sea. We had a crew of about 200. Um, nice. Just enjoyed it. Had a, a NATO deployment that we hit 12 countries. Uh, just just loved it. You know, there, awesome. there was just, you know, it's hard to even say anything about it. I got the chance to run. Uh, there's a, a, a track that runs up the Rock of Gibraltar. And that wow. was an awesome race. Um, we were actually, we were in competitions with the uh, 
UK uh, because they had runners. Well, so we team, you know, we, we grouped up. We had two guys that actually rode, ran the Boston Marathon and the New York Marathon on our ship. Sure. Well, basically, we took first, second, and third. I was third. I didn't wow. feel so bad because they they were runners. Yeah, they're like super the super yeah, runners. Just fantastic. <laughs> um, then I got out of the Navy, and and again, this is the career path that I chose. Kind of, um, kind of got stuck in a little bit. I kind some days I wish I didn't, but a lot of a lot of ways I really am glad I did. I worked for a company called Precision Metrology out of Milwaukee. Very, very large commercial calibration lab. Um, they're on my Trescal now. But I was primarily, well, not primarily, I'm mainly the field service tech. I was, mm-hmm. you know, very quickly, I was one of the senior field service techs. And that's what I'm going to go into, you know, we'll get into a little bit later more exactly more what that encompasses. Mm-hmm. Uh, For sure. But through my time there, I helped them set up, set up the standards lab where they calibrated uh, the Flip 5500, 5700, HP 3458, it, you know, a standards bench. But I happened to be very good on the road, so I was not deemed to work the bench. I stayed on the road. Sure. Um, I enjoy field service. Uh, well, it, it does really, take a it, special person to do field service. It, it is. You got to be personable, knowledgeable, and, you know, know how to be efficient at, at what you do. With keeping them yes, apart. yeah, you uh, nailed them all for sure. Yeah, and, and I will and once again because uh, you know it's such an interesting part of things. But I was also uh, very shortly there. National Instruments was trying to develop. Well, they developed it, but they were still perfecting, trying to get down calibration executive uh, program for calibrating data access, data acquisition systems. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were, we were, they bet they basically fed us. We're the beta company. Gotcha. So I got in real heavy with that, enjoyed the heck out of that. And, you know, that's one of the biggest things in metrology. Um, you just never stop learning, you know, that's what makes it fun. For sure. And it's going back to the field service. There's going to be such an array of equipment that, it, you know, it isn't funny you're going to hand be handed something that they was not on your list. You had no idea what was on your list. They're going to ask you if you can do it. You're going to take 15, 20 minutes, read the manual and say, yeah, I can do it. Or no, I can't. I don't have the standards here. Right. It, it can be that simplistic. Uh, and then, you know, I worked there for almost 19 years. Then I went to, wow. um, I, I started kind of putting my fillers out probably four or five years in advance, but, uh, you know, a little picky. Uh, I was picked up by Acme Metrology, which is part of Florida Metrology, but Acme Metrology is up in the Chicago area. They need to, basically, they called it a technical quality manager, but the owner wanted to expand more than, much more than what the company's prime focus was as scales. Okay. So I took them into, as they said, into metrology. So a scope increase. They wanted to to yeah. broaden their scope. Yeah. So I increased the scope uh, um, 10, 15 times. Sure. It was. Uh, That's fun. Yeah, it was. And a lot of it was, it's a lot of work. Um, you know, I was, you know, I, I enjoyed a lot what I did. Um, 
and then just uh, well, last year, I guess it was, uh, I got some um, inquiries from where I work now as Abbott Laboratories, which is just Abbott, but Abbott Laboratories, they they wanted a they needed a senior uh, metrology engineer. Uh, so we talked quite a bit, and then in you know early uh, this year, they you know they put down an offer. So I I chose that route. So that's where I'm at right now, metrology. And it, again, you go through a lot of the stuff, and you know what is a metrologist? What is a metrology engineer? Yeah, I'm sorry, there's no definitions of any of these things. No, um, everybody's got their own definition. And well, that's and, part and of an it. aggressive one. There's yes. a lot of passion behind this subject. There is. And, but, you know, and I'll go into it. And then this is the part that people, you know, get a little, you know, thin skinned about. But, you know, there's so many people with the title of a metrologist. Uh, some people are very um, strict about it. You've got to have an electronics engineering degree, you've got to have a mechanical engineering degree. Well, the definition is the science of weights and measure. So are we not scientists? You know, hmm. I, I, and that's more of a joke. But, you know, everybody wants to be through an engineering degree. And it sounds great, but. Then you get someone that does physics and it's, or, or like Thomas Harper that we have on there that has, a, you know, chemical. Well, it's still engineering, yeah. but chemical engineering. Yeah. But yet there's just too many different routes into it. It is, absolutely. And part of the other thing that, you know, uh, people get, I guess, more upset that I say, people, companies don't want to, rec well, there's actually a twofold, but people don't want to recognize that they have metrologists on staff because they would have to pay for a metrologist. You know, and you know, so it's a lot of grunt labor, labor, but it is one of the technical fields that is very um, high level. Um, I don't want to say intelligence. I don't want to say that, but you know, it, it, yeah, it, it's it's just you got to know. You know, you got to have common sense. You got to have education. You got to you know, you got to be able to do, but yet you got to be able to do. And that's the big part of it is, you know, everybody wants to break, not everybody, sorry. Uh, a lot of people want to break down metrologists, only those people managing it. You know, only the people that's writing uncertainty budgets. I'm sorry, I wrote uncertainty budgets very early on. Right, yeah. Um, you know, everybody wants to try it. Not, I keep using everybody, I'm sorry. So many people want to just try to label a metrologist as into the senior levels. Mm -hmm. um, and as uh, we'll get more into it as well later, uh, there's very few really metrology degrees, you know. Right. So that's when they lean back to it. Well, you got to have an engineering degree. Okay, um, I am an engineer now, and I will well, you're be official. One. Yeah, I, I'm now an you're engineer. official. And well, and a metrologist now. And you know how much college I got? Two college courses. Um, not to say that's not a, good, a bad path, but in my field, I could have been doing and learning and absorbing, or I can go to college. Mm -hmm. I'm a deck plate person, uh, as I was in the Navy, as you know, I was a chief in the Navy, as we called us the deck plate leaders, you know, right. because we're out there doing. 
because mm-hmm. we have so much of experience and so much knowledge and a lot more common sense. And no, I'm not going to really say that's a dig at the uh, engineers, but um, you know, it, it's, it's a whole different level. And well, not- I don't think it's a dig Dan, because I've been out there and, and I've worked with a ton of engineers and I can bring them on the show. I have a, a quite a few that I'm really good friends with that. I've been their field service, yeah. you know, metrologist and, when you, when you talk to them, they understand, like they can tell you all about a thermocouple. They can tell you all of its characteristics and everything, but when it, and in, in general, they can develop, you know, validations of these things that are very similar to calibration, but there's always certain components that they're missing and they don't quite get their head around. And then when you explain it to them, they're like, oh, well, that's so easy, but it's, it's more of like you're saying, it's that experience and that knowledge behind it that makes that differential. And, and it's just not, you have to work with a bunch of them until yep. you start to see like, oh, okay, so they don't teach this stuff in engineering, you know, because they got more important, I mean, quite honestly, more important things to, to deal with. And 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 the calibration and metrology end of it isn't necessarily their swimming lane. Right. And some of them don't even really want to mess with it. Not, not at all. And But that leaves it back to, you know, people like myself and and yourself. You know, we are the people that out there learn how all the same factors, except for our hands are busy at work with it. Um, and just, I guess, just slightly a little more about me as well. Um, and I've been able to get much more involved in it uh, with Abbott because they support uh, NCSLI very well. Sure. Um, I'm So I'm two different groups and both of them lead towards uh training in metrology. I'm part of the educators group, which they basically are concentrating on trying to get more of establishment of certifications or working with the schools, uh, Mm -hmm. trying to educate people on what is the career path for a metrologist. Right. This Um, is one we're on together. Yep. I mean, it's very interesting and we'll get more into it as well. Um, because as, as everybody knows, you know, there are some defined, some paths, but the actual paths, and that's again, part of labeling, I guess, titling, giving people the actual, uh, what they deserve at being called metrologists, because let's face it, you know, you're trying to educate high school students to start a career path as a calibration technician or a metrologist, mm-hmm. which one sounds better? Metrologist, even though most of those calibration technicians, and again, there's a lot of people that are calibration technicians and they're, it, it's fine. Some people are just um, like in the Marines, the grunts, you need them. Uh, will they ever go, Farther past it, some might, some, you know, they enjoy what they're some, doing. Some that's what they want to do. But there's not a career path. You know, there's not mm-hmm. saying you go through this as a calibration technician going up to be as a metrologist. Uh, they're defining it more. And I know there's more universities, but it, you know, a lot of it's a trade school and such as what, you know, sign cali- you know, sign calibration is. Right. You're training, training the people how to do. And that's where some of it's left, lost. And I'm also part of the metrology ambassadors, which again, that's coordinating with, you know, like the STEM programs, um, trying to get 
the schools involved with getting into the training side of the house. Uh, yeah, I didn't know that one was there. That that might be one that that uh, I'd be interested in as well. I I haven't haven't done a whole lot so much with that except for talked a lot with uh, NCSLI, but. I have been reaching out very heavily with some of the STEM programs in Wisconsin. Uh, I'm going to try much harder now. You know, it, it kind of, you know, uh, petered out a little bit just because, you know, the school year is not going right now. Right. Yeah. Uh, but trying to get them more involved. So, yeah, and, and I think the, I would love to get, get uh, some people involved in the, in some of these YouTube projects as well. Cause I really think that's going to be a good way to, to, and maybe even TikTok. you know, there are certain ways that we can uh, use these social media applications and platforms as ways to get people interested. And it is. And that is a lot of what we talk about in the educator group is how do you get the high school students excited mm-hmm. about it? Um, like, tell them about possible salaries and that it yeah. doesn't require college and you'll get them. That that's a good part of it, but you can't <laughs> also talk about how to do pin gauges because they'll just go away. <laughs> so, I know it but, is. I mean, you're, it is an interesting balance and, and it's a hard thing to do. Cause I, that that's exactly what my job is, is trying to make all of this interesting and, and where they can retain it, but then also getting people wanting to learn more about it. So I understand what you mean. Well, it's just like, you know, so much as, as we do on a daily basis, quite often is what's involved in metrology, you know, who does it affect? Mm -hmm. And, you know, uh, that's part of getting the the kids excited as well, because, you know, you can go through, you know, the, the normal things, gas. How do you know it's a gallon of gas? Because, it's been calibrated. It's been sampled. It's it's been proven. You know the the stakes on the scale. How do you know it's right? Because it's been calibrated. But then you got the medication. Um, you know, for the, the scientist-minded people, the quality of the cars. Um, <laughs> as you well know, as especially when I was a kid, you know, you had cars at fifty, sixty thousand miles. You're getting rid of those things. Right. You know, nowadays they're not broken in yet. So, and why? Because things are made better. Mm-hmm. Things are checked. You know, space, defense, you know, barcodes, speedometers on cars. You know, just trying to get get these people excited about what could be done. You know, uh, the graphics, you know, on your computers, the, the computer screens themselves, the computers are all dealt through metrology. You know, right. everything has been tested. You know, and that's where... A lot of people lose out on how does metrology affect people day to day. Everything you do, you know, it's just one other thing. And as you said, also getting the the high school students more excited about it. It's a career path that you can go into more of a technical school without going to a four year school and still, you know, make a decent level living and still keep moving up. Part of it also where we've we've talked about in the educators group is what's needed that you need to know to get into these fields. You know, mm-hmm. what are some of the basics? You know, the mathematics and science. Well, you tell that to some high school students. I need mathematics. I need science. 
I always break it down to applied mathematics, right. applied science, stuff mm-hmm. you can use from day to day. Well, and that kind of goes down into how, well, at least how we're breaking down the system. And I'm, you know, I'm sincerely hoping to get people on board with the, the, the ideas that we have. But, you know, when you look at that applied, and it can also be, you know, what do you have to know at level one to get working in this field? You know, what do you need to, to be mobile and start learning? And then, like you were saying, you know, as people get to level three and four, it's probably okay to start putting in courses where they're learning more complex math and things like that, because those are the people that are showing the interest, you know, instead of just making everybody learn all of it, you know, let people kind of guide their career into the areas that they need. Oh, absolutely. Well, with me, it was so funny. Once again, uh, especially when I made instructor of the year and all that stuff, mm-hmm. maybe, uh, there's huge write up on it and they sent it to my hometown, uh, paper, you know, talk about how I taught complex trig and math and blah, 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 you know, going in because again, I was in the microwave section. We did Smith charts. Mm-hmm. Most people don't even hardly know what that is anymore. Right. Uh, you know, the complex formulas that I, that I taught, you know, I taught people how to manipulate the article hit the papers and my parents actually got some calls from the high school. Some of the teachers like bullcrap. This is not Dan. <laughs> I, I struggled through math uh, just because I'm a doer, you know. Sure. How do I put that into play? You know, I, I want to know why I'm learning this, not not just who cares about X, you know. Give me a reason why. Uh, yeah. That's that's the parts I think we can get, you know, the high schoolers more get their teeth into. Well, yeah, and I think, you know, sharing that experience, they will identify with it. And I think that's actually a problem with how our – and, and if, this is a whole different realm of topic, you know, the, the school system in our country. But really, when you look at it, they're, they are trying to jam a lot of things in, into these kids that may, they may or may not use, you know, where it can be taught more with more success at a time when it is applied, like you're saying. Right, right. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, I, 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 without a doubt, I know I'm not alone on that aspect, but you know, it's just what excites them mm-hmm. besides just computer games. But that's where you go back to talk about the YouTube and the TikTok and stuff like that. Try to make things excited, exciting that would be able to um, um, bring interest. Right. Well, and, and it can be very different because some people get really really excited about the, like we were just talking about the Vizwar or the high frequency, you know, yeah. stuff that applies to 5G and all that. Yeah. But then there's some people, they hear about those, that stuff. That, well, I, don't, I don't think metrology is for me. And then you start talking about torque and force and dimensional. And then they're like, yes, I like working with yeah. my hands. That's the crazy thing is I want people to be aware of the vast directions you can go really it it is one of the only fields you can almost go into anything in any direction and you know really fit to what you like as far as uh, you know if you're working with your hands or if you're more technical you know just so many applications oh absolutely i mean that's you know that's it's just it's it's like it is unbelievable it's um i mean the excitement's there now i did have a question for you because 
you know, I was an instructor at the Biloxi School for Navy and Marines. You were an instructor for Lowry. People always talk about Lowry. You know, it's one of those famous things people bring up, you know, oh, I went to Lowry. Yeah. So what was different? Tell people what was different about going through during those times and why why it's a um why it's so highly regarded. I think our in depth our depth of study and again I, I followed some of the classes afterwards, but again mm-hmm. it's not all that easy. But the the levels of where they were training and then the basics on up. Um, when I was teaching Lowry, we started with, you know, the first areas, um, teaching people how to use manuals, what's in a manual, you know, which facets of the manuals are you looking at? All manuals are broke up the same procedures are all the same, how to look everything up, you know, because that's our field. You can't memorize everything. It's just impossible. You can have right. a and keep doing it and learn it that way. But everything has got to be documented. So, I mean, that was a big part of, you know, the first phases was actually more the, you know, um, academics of it. And then it was just so much more hands-on, um, you know, when you're learning all scopes. What exactly are you looking at with those scopes? Uh, you know, the waveforms, you know, what, what do they mean? You know, you get into all that, and then you get into aeroscopes, the, the basic with the, the the DCs and the currents. And the, I don't know. I, you know, I didn't follow it so much along. I do mm-hmm. know when it when I was getting ready to leave, they were getting ready to start um, the school. Ours was ten weeks, all the way up through RF for the for the Navy, um, and then they split off. It, it, I mean, it's a whole different world in itself. Sure. Why they split, I can get into it, but. You know, but they wanted to, at that time, talking about doing it six or eight weeks and getting down to troubleshooting as much as a spec and to component level within that time frame. Mm-hmm. And that's just, to me, was like, no, you're just kind of giving them nibbles, you know. Sure. Um, and I think a lot of the industry, in, in certain ways, because... There is some of that that we still taught. I I have some theories because I think when most people say, you know, um, that knowledge base lost was lost with Lowry, I think some of it is still taught and you might be, you might be onto something with the length of time, but I also think how it's applied out in the fleet is what's changed. Right. And so the application going forward after is not the same. And so I think it's a combination that has created afterwards, you know, people that get out of the military, whether it's four years, five years, which those people, I know in the Marine Corps, people could be fapped out. They could be actually removed from the lab working in like training or something like that. So they, you know, how much did they actually retain from school if they never applied it, you know? So you run into those things. But then they also started taking away a lot of the things you talked about working in a type two, type three lab. You know, they took away a lot of that stuff where they went to, hey, we'll send the most important things to the the depot level labs that have the civilian, the civilian calibrators. So, you know, I think a lot of those things is what now, even though it's still regarded as as, you know, people are looked for coming out of the military. um, And that's something that I, I don't think should be taken away. There's there's a lot of benefits to those that training and the things that you get out of there. 
but they're they're noticing some of those changes in all of those things maybe a, a little yeah. bit in the training a lot in the application from then on you know and it just kind of compounds well so much but what i understand because i got a uh a guy fairly um young from the fleet uh in acme before i left there and so much of it navy wise i was learning that so much of it's that they're giving a little bit of training but they're dependent upon everything being ojt mm -hmm. so then you're learning now you're losing some of the academic stuff on why you're making these measurements instead of this guy that may not know how to train and teach or teach you five different ways as the instructor's got to do on how to have you understand why you're doing these measurements. You know, it's right. just, just do it where that, you know, with Lowry, I, I, that was definitely it. You knew the concepts behind it, the theories behind it. Um, and I think that's how we're breaking apart, uh, you know, breaking away from that mold with what we're doing, you know, at, at the school yeah. is focusing more on that. So, you know, a lot of people in the beginning, you know, I would get questions from students. Hey, how do I do it with this? You know, you aren't showing on this standard or whatever. And when you, because people really have gotten conditioned to being told step-by-step step how to do things where right. really, if you learn, look, Hey, we taught you everything that goes into this measurement. You don't need to know all that stuff. All you, yes, you need to know how to use your standard, but all of this applies to this standard, that standard, all of these other standards. Right. You know, and so that's, I think that is something that was missing. And, and, you know, another thing I noticed that was missing that we incorporate that wasn't in this, in the military programs is BIPM was never brought up. The VIM was never brought up. The gum was never brought up. Like the, the system of calibration was never talked about. And right. so, you know, those are some of the other things I think is missing out there altogether is we're also fragmented. So, you know, you're talking big picture things. What is a metrologist? We haven't even figured out what a calibration, you know, the very first step is, <laughs> well, except for, except for, I think that's what we've, that's what we're setting a standard for, you know, and, and I've talked to you at length about that and people that listen to this program know, you know, what we're, what we're trying to do, but having that minimum level. And then we yep. can all build, and I think all of us need to come together to put together these programs you're talking about. Yeah, I mean that you know that's a lot of what we 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 try to do with the um, um, educators group as well on how do we make something universal mm -hmm. where somebody can learn the different levels and facets and which discipline at that time, and that's transferable to somewhere else. I know there's, there's, um, certificates out there, mm -hmm. uh, that, you know, is labeled a metrologist certificate. Um, wow, but really, I, well, there, there is one, I'm trying to remember who does it, but, um, it's got like all the disciplines. In it. They got a little bit of, a little bit of everything. You got mechanical a little bit of, and you need all that to have this certificate you know, instead of different levels. Um, and that, I think it's too generic, mm -hmm. I would say. Um, and a lot of that goes down to, again, you, you talk about different levels. You know, some people feel that you need this certificate or you need to be trained in multiple disciplines, you know, in the fields. 
it's I, I, that's the parts that you know I have a hard time with, and especially due to the fact that a lot of people, especially as you learn a lot throughout, you know, you talk to people throughout the world, a lot of people don't rec, you know, they they recognize metrology in the mechanical aspects, the you know those disciplines, mm-hmm. but when you talk about electronics, they get lost, you know. There's so much in electronics metrology, it isn't funny, but yet right. these people are saying, I'm a metrologist, you're just a calibration technician. Well, dude, come on my side of the house. Right. Well, I think they're, well, what's your opinion? I mean, would a metrologist or should a metrologist know more? So like, could someone become a metrologist by just knowing all the ins and outs of temperature? Yes. Okay. Uh, a- absolutely. Uh, we, I have a gentleman I work with who's been doing 30 years in the temperature lab. Well, so maybe it's more the importance of getting to that level in a discipline. Cause then at that point in time, here's where I agree with you. And, and I'm not saying I disagree with you either, but right. where I agree with you is saying, you know, at the process it takes to fully understand any measurement discipline. And we're talking about the ones for, for reference, like out of our school, the seven most common ones in 85% of the labs out there. Right. You get to that level in any of those, I think you can tackle most of them. Yeah. And, and that, you know, that's kind of what, you know, again, that's back to the metrology school. That's what we were teaching is the principles to build upon, you know, um, that you've got to have a lot of those basics to build upon, but yeah, you need to strive to learn everything that goes into that measurement. Just everything that, you know, it's just, that's as about as vague as it can be, but as complex as it can be, you need to understand why you're making the measurements, how you're doing the measurements, what's the uncertainties. Uh, And again, that's the biggest thing in metrology and it's not wrong, you know, by any means, so many people cause concentrates on the uncertainties. Mm-hmm. Most people don't even understand why the hell they're, they're there. Or uh, what the components honest. are. Yeah, they don't, they don't really, you know, so many people that you're giving these uncertainties to don't know why they're getting uncertainties. You know, some of the basic things, you know, when, when I was teaching, and it was a lot more before the uncertainties really were in effect. We had, you know, obviously everybody <laughs> has broke it down to, and it's really funny. It's the four to one rule. It's got to be four to one better, four to one better. Yeah. Well, when I was teaching, we were looking at 10 to one. You absolutely, you're trying to get 10 to one better, four to one at the worst. Why 10 to one? Well, if you're at a, a 10 to one ratio, there is some extremely good chances that the uncertainties aren't going to matter. Right. You know, and I'm not saying they don't need to be done. You know, because let's face it, the uncertainties in a lot of cases need to know because are you really putting out good product? You know, people need to understand it. Um, But if you're at a 10 to 1 ratio, there's odds are all your uncertainties, you know, those small fractions aren't going to affect the measurement. So you if you're at a 10 to 1 ratio and you know great practices on how to do it, if you know how to do this stuff. It's what you need. Well, and some people don't understand their place in some of those programs. You're you're mentioning the military, you know, for for four to one, ten to one. 
Yeah. But all that's figured out, like it, for the Navy and the NAMP and, and the uh, NAV Air programs, that's all developed in Corona, where the engineers calculate all that stuff out. We're not doing that as a technician level. We're not doing that as a calibrator. We just know if we're going to substitute something, it has to satisfy certain things. But really, they don't give much latitude. You know, but and that's, see, that's where it does come into effect, though, just what you just said. Mm-hmm. What if you get a new standard in and substitute it? Is that standard, you know, good in all areas? You, you need to know that yourself, even though because one, Corona may have not wrote that, you know, cal procedure yet that includes that piece of equipment. Oh, I agree with you, but that's not <laughs> the case. Yeah. I mean, there, there, there's just no, the information isn't there. And, and Dan, I was going to mention, you know how, like the, obviously our level four program isn't, isn't released yet or anything. Level one is, is released, but the way we're tackling that, that level four question is there is very easy ways to, or what a metrologist is, you know, there's very easy ways to, to come up with prerequisites or, or a gen, what are those called? Like in college uh, generals, you know, your general requirements that all yeah, of them should know. Yeah. Um, yeah, very good. Uh, what so are like, the basic courses that you need? Yeah. So your generals, you yeah. know, so basically say, say we, we use that instance where someone has done it all in temperature. Well, at least they also will have taken uncertainties. They will also have taken math for metrologists, you know, this, 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 and this. So the, the, the generals are there, but then their specialty is in an area. And, and that way, you know, at least, at least you can have a known out of, oh, you're that level four. Okay. So, you know, all these things. And then it's, as you and I both agree, it's, it's pretty easy to add to your repertoire after you've already mastered one. Yeah. In general. I mean, that, you know, again, that's, you know, it's just, um, you know, that so many people are getting more focused on the general parts. Um, mm-hmm. What's important in metrology, so many things are the study of the uncertainty without the practice. Um, so there's a lot of people, you know, that's in some of these companies in the upper level, you know, they understand the uncertainties, but can they do the work? Mm-hmm. So that's, that's the part that gets to be interesting is again, as you're going up and learning more, um, which, you know, a lot of technicians are going to work up. They're not working with the uncertainties, you know, uh, they, they, they don't, they understand some of the practices of, uh, the standards, some of the lower level people are, you're going out to do these meters, you need this equipment. You have mm-hmm. to hand it to them. Um, or the people on the bench, this is what I got. Well, you transfer somewhere else, you don't have that anymore. Right. Oh, crap, I don't know how to use that. Um, so, you know, those basic principles and hands-on don't work. But again, but so many people, again, the uncertainties are great. The unknown needs to be Somewhat known. You don't right. have all that. Quantified in some way. Yeah. Quantified to understand what <laughs> errors you have involved. Um, and it's, it's very important to know what errors are involved. But if the basics aren't being handled, even though this guy is out there doing stuff, he's not doing the right techniques. 
You know, he's not using the right equipment. He, he's got crappy leads. Um, you know, he's not doing the stuff that the uncertainties was built upon. So if you're not going back and checking this whole process, which, you know, the cross check, the round circle is not happening. That's where it's lost out. Just mm-hmm. because you got great uncertainties doesn't mean every technician is using that. Right. Uh, and so many companies aren't using that measurement uncertainty. You know, that what it's being done at that time, you know, they got an uncertainty budget, you know, they, they, they've proven it. But is it being applied to on the bench or in the field? You right. Know, you know, are, the, are those factors still being used? And that's, you know, that's where a lot of it's lost is under, understanding, you know, what the uncertainties developed from. Yeah. Well, and a lot of that, uh, I mean, speaking, you and I talked before the, the show started, you know, I, I, I do, did my dues. I was a uh, on-site technician and I had a blast. I mean, honestly, but I did it when I understood everything really well. So I found it very engaging and fun. Um, yeah. But I also trained people. And so doing that stuff, you know, you see a lot of those pain points, you know, and, and it's a great transition here for the last 15, 20 minutes. I, I really wanted to spend some time on the field service metrologist because you you have brought up in the educators meetings and and even in discussions that you and I had before we were in a in a in a committee together, you know, how much different it is to be faced with these problems on your own, alone, someone's facility that they might be putting pressure on you, you might have work pressure on you. Yeah, all of these things. So it makes sense for us to to chat about that for for a little bit of time. You cool with that? Oh, that's, always. Uh, when it comes to the field services, uh, again, I I really try to get people to understand really is what involved. As as you said, you most commonly have to be trained in multiple disciplines, mm-hmm. and and ideally through time, you should be proficient at it uh, because you've got to get out there in the field as, as you know, I did quite often, you know, some people are nice. They got these little bands that pull in, yeah, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but a lot of right. service technicians you got. It's not like that table, at all. <laughs> got that table to work on. Will that work for you? Well, you got to understand everything about that table. Okay. Is it a plastic table? No, it won't work for me because it could be static. You know, all these things you have to come into play. You got to be able to work with the customer. You got to be able to develop a flow to make it efficient. So when you're out there in the field, which that's, again, that's why field service metrology really was developed is so the companies don't have to have that downtime. Right. This whole rack to pull apart. You got one day to do that. Okay, we'll do it in one day. If they pull that whole rack apart and send it in, they've lost it for a month. Right. So, if Yeah. If not longer. So, you know, that technician needs to go out there and understand what he's got. He needs to understand how to do it efficiently. He needs to have customers, you know, customer service galore. I mean, you've you got to be able to work with the customer. You've got to be able to talk to them with some, ed, you know, intellect to explain on what you're doing. And as well as so many other other people out there, you know, as you learn, you'll walk out with a list. I'm doing, um, you know, 15 pieces. And they bring you number 16 that's not on your list. Yeah. Can you do it? You need to be able to stop, 
look at it and tell them in a short time frame. Not, oh, I'll have to contact somebody. And that's most appointments. Most appointments, they always add something. If they're a regular oh. appointment, there's always an addition, I swear. It, 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 there, there's no doubt about it. Um, in my 19 years at um, Precision Metrology, I had one company that I can always say, I'll walk out and the list was the list. It didn't subtract, it didn't add. I mean, that was that one guy. Right. Uh, until the last two years there, all of a sudden <laughs> it started changing. Oh no. Uh, but you know, every time you go out, you can plan on something else coming in. And as we were talking about, what are you expected to do? Uh, my prime field was electronics. Um, but I did hand tools. I did dimensional. Mm-hmm. Um, my last company, Acme Metrology, our technicians were required to do, you know, our electronic technicians were doing surface plates. Uh, I stayed away from that myself. I don't believe in polishing. I have lapped a few surface yeah. plates in my time. I, I kept away from that. Uh, but, you know, I've been known to go out and do electronics and dimensional. I've done some optical comparers at the same day. You might do some force gauges, uh, possibly some torque wrenches, um, temp controllers. Um, but then all of a sudden you've got a spectrum analyzer to do, you know, data acquisition systems. You know, this, this, this is, could be a standard day, week for a metrologist in the field. And you have to understand your equipment. You got to understand the proper techniques, techniques, as well as understand uncertainty budgets. Because there's times you'll be out there because the program's made up that they want the the company you're working for wants to be able to produce that cert almost as soon as you get back. Uh, Some companies actually do it on site. Uh, I, I won't get into that too much. Um, yeah, there's, there's a company I know, but, um, they want to be able to produce it because they can't charge the people until they give them a cert. Well, if it's an accredited calibration, you're developing the uncertainty budgets while you're there. You're working with some working budgets already, but you still have to understand everything that goes into that budget. So those people have to be able to derive a budget. They may have to make right. a procedure while you're at it. Well, it's a new piece of equipment. There might not, you might not, might not, very good, Dan, might not <laughs> be able to pull a procedure from somewhere, which let's face it, you know, there's guide up and there's manuals, but you may have to develop a procedure for stuff. Right. You have and to understand you, the test. Yeah. And, and you know, that's what you have to do. And again, you're doing this all efficiently and you're trying, if, if you're, top of your field, you're maintaining the same quality. So you're doing quantity, you're doing quality, you're doing it efficiently, you're talking with the customer, and you're finishing the job on time. Yeah, and so, sometimes dealing with hostility. Uh, yeah. Because yeah. calibration is not smooth. No, um, and then if you fail something, oh my God. Don't, don't oh yeah. Things. You fail something or something breaks after you've been there, even if it had nothing to do with Oh you. yeah. You broke it. You broke it. Yeah. It's the and calibrator. You got to answer that phone call. You know, if you're not still there, they put it back in the rack and it's not working. You got to be able to walk over, understand why it's not working. You know, you can't just say I calibrated it. You hooked it back up. Um, and that's the one thing I kept away from as much as possible. I didn't 
you know, take equipment out of racks and put them back in because that's, you know, let's face it. Asking for it. That's why we do our job. Shit happens. You know, yeah. Something breaks and it's always at the wrong time. So it broke just before you put it back in. And why did you break it? Yep. I'll unplug it. You put it back in. It's not working. That's your problem. Um, but you got to be able to explain those things. Mm-hmm. Um, walk over and tell the guy he hooked it up wrong. Yeah. That's why the red lead goes to the red jack. Um, I mean, there's so much of that. The, you know, temp control, you know, temperature meters they pull out. They don't understand the thermal couples. You got to understand the difference to the thermocouples. Um, I mean, there's that's why, so that's why I feel this, you know, when we talk about this, a field service metrologist, you know, I strongly believe they could, I always view things through up my system. So forgive me, this isn't me trying to just keep pounding our system away. But in our, in my mind, it's around a level three to level four person. Because yep, they absolutely. have to be, for us, level three is someone that can teach it back. They, they could teach a, another technician how to do it. And I think Absolutely. that's about where you need to be. Yeah. And that, I, I know ahead of time you asked a little bit, what what's at the top of your game? The top of my game is you're a subject matter expert, but not on, on top of that, you never stop learning, mm-hmm. but on top of that, you never stop training. You got to be able, to, not just because you know how to do it, you need to be able to train that other person to be able to do it. Because again, if you're out in the field, you got two people, you want both people to, you know, pretty much be able to do all the jobs. So you've got to be able to pass your knowledge and experience along. Uh, and then a lot when of people don't I, know how to train. When you and I both know also, it, it helps alleviate the problem whenever, if you, if, if everybody, we're talking years down the road, everybody signs into the system and everybody feels the same way and there's some consistency out there. If you think about it, someone coming to the appointment at these onsite things, they never want to see a level, a level one guy. They never want to see that lower guy. They always want to see those other guys anyway. Right. So, you know, this system fits into what the customer expects and because there is more face forward and then liability and everything to those measurements that really it should be. Yeah. Why are, why are you sending the guy that just started? Right. I mean, absolutely. I mean, you know, with, with people's million dollar processes, you know, right. (laughs) They're $300,000 an hour production lines. You're going to send your brand new or your, or your, you know, medium level technicians. You know, I just have never understood that. And they got to have the knowledge per improvement too. You know, even there's customers going to ask you out there, how can I do this better? Yeah. You know, how can I make this measurement better? So again, you got to know their equipment to understand that process. Um, how, you know, it's just a field service tech is just, just, I don't know, worth their weight in gold. And a lot of companies don't recognize that. Yeah. Know? Um, they're not all there. Yeah. There's a lot of automated procedures. Uh, you know, I I'll be honest, you know, I, cause you and I met when I was, uh, I first talked to you when I was visiting Morehouse. So I don't remember exactly when that was, but it was a, you know, beginning of this year. I'll be honest. I mean, you, you really changed the way I viewed it and I'm someone that's been in it, but it really made me feel like that that's a direction that we also want to go at some point where that's a part of a certification I don't know how that will fit in, you know, cause there's a lot of work that needs to be done in all this, you know, there's just too much. 
but I think it is a special designation. You know, it, someone, it that, someone that can do this stuff and, and everyone can feel comfortable, the customer, the technician, as well as the lab sending the person out. Absolutely. Yeah. You talk about, I, I've known some situations where a customer halfway through the job is like, would you just pull this guy out of here? Yeah. He just, uh, you know, he doesn't know what you're doing, even though if he does know what he's doing and he's not, but he's taking way too long um, or asking the stupid questions, which unfortunately there are really stupid questions. Um, But the problem comes to back to the training. If your company has not taken the time to send the senior guys out there to train these people properly to actually understand what they're doing in the field and to be able to work with the people. That's, you know, that's where it's at. You know, mm-hmm. it, you just never, you know, as I say, you never stop learning. You never stop training. It, it, you just don't, you know. Oh, you want something humbling. Go start a school for calibration. That's what I went through. And, you know, <laughs> I've been in this for 20 years. I have a pretty, I, you know, I've trained people, trained th- I've over a thousand people trained, you know, there's, I thought I had a pretty good grasp. And then when you really put your, your product through peer review and you have people looking at it with scrutiny and then it's like, okay, yeah, there's, there's, and it's a lot of, I think you've, you'll feel the same way. A lot of the training that we all receive is just from person to person to person. And a lot gets lost in all of that. And that, that I mean, that's the thing. I mean, in the military, you know, as you well aware, you, everybody's being trained the same way where now that you get into the civilian world, there's so many different ways of training. Um, and that, I mean, it, that's the biggest problem I see. And that's mm-hmm. why there needs to be some more centralized recognition mm-hmm. um, that needs to be, that needs to happen. That right. can be universal, you know, and that's the biggest thing is, you know, and two, let's face it, there's a lot of those military people who are uh, retiring yeah. uh, that that was formally heavily formally trained and that's the knowledge base is being lost and that's part of the, the you never stop training some of those people that's been a metrologist for many years they won't train anybody you know i'm doing well, my there's job also employers field. that won't give the time right well that's absolutely um i can't say with with the company i'm with now abbott they believe in training and cross, uh, which is very good. I mean, it, it's, you know, that's, that's what you need. You need to understand that, you know, you're, you never stop training. You never stop teaching people. There's gotta be something else, a better technique. Yeah. And it's just too much stuff. And that's the, that's the thing we found out real quick is we can't do it all ourselves. Because there are certain disciplines and certain, I mean, we're talking about, even if we're getting into level two, three, four, if we're talking about level four, there's certain disciplines or certain niche areas. There's five people in the world that could teach it. Right. I mean, period. Correct. <laughs> it, it is. It's, it's interesting. It's, and um, some of those people, you know, they could train it, but they won't. Uh, yeah. I'm hoping, I'm, I'm really hoping, and, and I, that's why I'm so glad I'm a part of the, the NCSLI Educators Corner now and everything, because I really think we can we can get this stuff figured out. It's just, it, it's, I, I understand the progression. 
now that I've been, I've had many interviews, many uh, in being in the military and seeing the civilian world, and I see the progression and how we got here. But it's just time to get us out right. as an industry, and and I think it's right there, you know. And and it, and it's not all just sign calibration school, and and it's not all just um, one organization here or there. It's it's going to be an industry wide thing. And it is, it needs to be. And I, I know there's like universities trying to take stuff over uh, to create more of a degree program. And I know there are some, some universities are, you know, they're doing it is what I can see doing it right. Mm -hmm. uh, but again, it, we're, what do you lose on the, a lot of the universities is the hands-on, you know? Uh, so they're trying to do it right, but they're also some of the some of those universities are involved in the same group. So they're trying to understand what they can do and what they can do better. Uh, some of the community colleges are doing fine. I, I, but I have talked to some of the community colleges, you know, talk about metrology. Oh, we got a metrology class. OK. It's about a half hour long that's in, involved in one of their other class. Yeah. And it's like. I don't teach it. Uh, it, it was funny. I but, think we, I think there's a way we can all work to each, each of our strengths. Correct. You know, and, and when we get to, cause, cause, uh, you know, obviously we focus on that entry level, but that level two, where, where it's the verification of skills, right? Where people show that they can make that measurement. I think, I think that's where organizations like NCSLI will be vital because there are so many you know places where there's something we can all work out where that verification can happen at our local levels you know because there is that framework out there right in, in, in those areas that checklist on where how to get there and you know what really needs to be looked at and you know not just that as you said it, a lot of it could be developed at the place, but there mm -hmm. needs to be more central, you know, somewhere that the actual final testing is done. So yeah. well, they're not, you know, let's face it, a lot of companies are just going to check those blocks and say, yeah, look at this guy's, he's certified. He right. Calibrate his self of a wet paper bag, but he's certified. Exactly. Yeah. You know? and, and it needs to be, and again, a lot of companies need to also understand and bring a lot of that on, on board. And part of it's going to be loosening up the purse strings because let's face it, metrologists are bastard to them. You know, it were necessary evil. You can't do stuff without metrology, mm -hmm. but they don't want to pay for it. You know, though, I think if, if we had a solid one through four or, you know, if there's a fifth final or whatever, if it's a solid and it's a known product and people know what they're getting each level with those people, I think right. it'd be easier for them to budget. Because yep. what happens is people get caught hiring people as higher experience than they are, even though they Absolutely. have documented experience. But we both know, okay, this guy only turned wrenches at this place for six years. Yeah. And yep. then they're coming in with six years of experience from a cow house and they're using that as full experience as all disciplines. You know, right. does that make sense? Did yeah. I say that? Yeah, that makes right. sense. There needs to be a sign off on each level, each, each yeah. discipline, even at that. Exactly. You know? And a lot of people may not cross over disciplines and that, and that's fine. If that guy is going to work straight electronics for his whole time, 
so be it. Yeah. You know? And I think they could still get, move up and pay and still yeah, absolutely. be very successful. And I think there's rooms for specialists, you know, yeah. but there's also, yeah, just having directions and, and routes to go is what's important for sure. Absolutely. See, we just ate up that 15, 20 minutes. No problem. <laughs> just field service metrology. You, you, you're on the right show. Cause I, I love it. And I'm going to, the last thing I'm going to say on it as we're closing it up on that, on that topic, I suggest people that have good experience and you generally have a good feel of everything and you have those opportunities. I would do it. It will make you a better, a better metrologist. It will. And I think you'll have fun. As long as you can, if you can work with the people, okay, that's the most frustrating part. That's the, probably the hardest part. But most likely, you're not there more than five days. Right. So, and next week, you're back to somebody that's easy to work with. And awesome and, and yeah. loves what you do yeah. and loves you and everything. Yeah. It's such a good time. And you get a great networking, great meeting people. And like I said, you become a better, I feel like I became a better metrologist in general by right. being faced with all those challenges. And it, it is. And, and like I say, it is so much fun. Um, but again, you've got to go into it with, you know, a lot of knowledge and do it right. You know? So to end the show though, Dan, I got to throw in the fun one. What's the weirdest measurement you've ever taken or been a part of? That's the one we ask people. Is there any, like I've, I've, uh, I have done temperature measurements in morgues next to bodies. Oh. Have you had... Have you had any any weird measurements well, over your career? I mean, there was the the one time we were cali calibrating some stuff. It was more temperature range, and then you found out, you know, you oh, what do you do here? They made the stuff for liposuction machines. You know, okay, I'm not touching that. Um, uh, my last place was uh, again. This really blew my mind because I knew nothing about it. But again, my last company, you know, you just, you know. It was a very good company where you just learned and it was, it's a good company to go to because if they don't know it, we're going to know it. They come with a friction coefficient machine. And it's like, what? Well, that slides, you that? slide something down. Yeah, that's it. Well, you're checking in, in their case, uh, I think it was um, tape or something, you know, they're dragging mm -hmm. tape. Well, fine. How do I do this? That's so simplistic. It wasn't funny. Turn it on its side and hang weights. Um, but it's like, first of all, you got to, you know, it's like, what the hell is a friction coefficient machine? Yeah. You know, uh, I, with the last company with Acme, they're actually partnered with some different labs and some of the other guys that, you know, one was actually an instructor in the Navy, uh, ends up a very good friend. So it's like, I call him up and say, what the hell is this? Well, he showed me one style. Well, dude, this is not that style. Well, I don't know how to help you. Okay, great. I'll try somebody else. So um, the weirdest, I, that's probably, I can't really go too much. Yeah. The more thing I, that, that, no, I'm not. I, for, I forgot about that though. That is a good point. Yeah. There is so many weird measurements that come in or, or devices that do things and, and, uh, or like adhesion testers or things I've never would have thought about. So bringing up a friction coefficient tester. Or do they call it the right thing when the customer brings you this? Right. You know, this yeah. is humaplachi. No, that's not. You know, the customers have got their own names for things. Um, let's face it, some commercial companies develop it with some different names and it doesn't, you know, it does the same as something else. Right. 
Yeah, you can't even find the right the same name for a uh, fishing line spooler or something like that. You know, they'll call it a winder. Or, yeah. You know. Yeah. Well, Dan, it's been a pleasure. I I think we have much more to talk about if you're willing to come back some other time. I'm sure will, I and mean, we can you know break down and figure things out. I don't even know if we hit my whole little checklist. List. But, you know, I just kind of peeked and looked, and I'm sure we hit a lot of it. We we did pretty good. I think it was great. Yeah. Well, thank you for coming on, and we I hope we have you on in the near future. Oh, perfect. I'm I'm always available. Thank you once again for listening to our show. If you have any comments, questions, or you'd like to be a guest on our show, please reach out to us at information at signcalibration.com. Thank you once again for listening.